Welcome back to the Morning Grind podcast here at rotogrinders.com. Once again, I am not Stevie. Of course, Stevie is knocking out all the NASCAR content you guys need. If you're your NASCAR, uh, you know, fix, you know where to get that here at rotogrinders.com. I'm Dean filling in. And what are we doing today? We're talking about a sport uh, that I know very little about, at least a, a little bit more the last 30 minutes or so. I did a little pre-show, uh, you know, kind of a touch up and well, what's going on as far as the AFL. What is the AFL? The AFL Australian Football League, also known as Aussie Rules, also known as Footy. I'm not going to enlighten you guys. Somebody is. It's going to be AJ, the host of the Daily Fantasy Rankings podcast, all the way from Melbourne. Are you in Melbourne, AJ? Certainly am. Yeah, great to be with you, Dane. There you go. Uh, happy to have you. I, I want to learn about the uh, the AFL. The accent gives you credibility, too. Instant credibility. <laughs> you come right in. It's like, this guy's going to know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, good morning well, to you. It's, it's it's night for me. And, uh, yeah, uh, of course, DK is rolling out uh, AFL contest. I'm seeing a, a showdown slate right now. I believe 60K is one of the tournaments right now. We were talking about this pre-show. Uh, showdown for now. And, like, going forward, I guess, as we uh, get to the weekend, there will be, what, four or five game slates as well? Yeah, that's right. So there'll be a couple of single showdown slates for Thursday and Friday. Um, and then there'll be a showdown slate on Saturday and Sunday. Um, oh, sorry, a classic contest on Saturday and Sunday, and then a couple of other sort of showdowns weaved in between it. There's a total of nine games every round. Um, and actually, it's quite topical at the moment. I just saw yesterday the ESPN have done a deal with the AFL to show an additional two live games every week. So I think you guys are getting like seven out of the nine games live um, across FS1 and ESPN every week. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we're watching KBO in the middle of the night, the Korean baseball. Let's watch some, uh, <laughs> let's watch some uh, you know, AFL as well, too. It's going to be good times for sure. Uh, 18 teams, 18 versus 18, which is just wild to uh, us Americans, at least me, to me. That's a lot of players, a lot of dudes. But, of course, that field is huge. And one thing I noticed, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I misheard this, is the dimensions of the field different depending on the field they're playing at to some degree? Absolutely. Um, so, traditionally, it's, it's an oval shape ground um but some grounds are slightly longer some grounds are slightly thinner um yeah there's definitely a little bit of variation so excuse my five-month-year-old puppy that's just being a goose here um um, yeah so yeah the variations can be quite sort of contrasting and for a, a practical example there's a team the geelong cats that their home ground is quite long and skinny whereas the MCG, which is the home of AFL in Melbourne, is a very traditional-sized ground, um, really wide wings, and it's really, really wide. So some teams can very much get caught out, and it can be something you can be using with your strategy for DFS as well, that wingers will be more effective on, say, the MCG than they will be down at GMHBA Stadium, which is down in Geelong. And I assume teams build their uh, team based upon what their field happens to be and what the strengths are of their players. That would make sense, right? A a little bit. Um, There's certainly a little bit of local knowledge that comes into into play. You know, when you go and play at some of those more obscure grounds, um, it can throw a few teams off. Um, The ground in Geelong that I just mentioned is is a again, a little bit unique, but not too many of the top-end teams would go down there and play there. It would be very much the sort of minnow teams that would be getting their games down there. So then when the sort of the bigger clubs, the bigger teams head down there, it can be a little bit sort of different for them because they're just not, they just don't have the space. And game plans can be very much built on that kind of thing. 
Yeah, let's pull back just for a second because uh, what is AFL? I've, let's say I've never seen AFL before. I have no idea what it is. I was watching some highlights before the show, and I would say uh, it's a hybrid of soccer, football, volleyball, rugby. Uh, how would you describe it to me if I was five? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting question. It's a very unique game. Um, it has a lot of characteristics of, say, football, where people are, are kicking and running with a ball but it also probably has a lot of the agility of basketball, whereas it's a 360 game. People can run in all directions. Um, And then some would say it's sort of got a few traits of ice hockey where, you know, it's quite heavy contact. We're not wearing any pads. Guys are, you know, six foot three sort of minimum and about, I guess, uh, what is it? Uh, You know, 100, 110 kilos, which is probably what about, 200 pound and these guys are running you know full scream ahead at each other banging into each other tackling crashling so it's um it's a very fast moving game the ball can be carried it can be kicked it can be caught um it's very high scoring and as you touched on before there's you know a whole heap of guys on the field at any one time you know you've got sort of 36 players on the ground at any time plus four players from each team on the bench so it's very fast moving. It's very athletic. Um, yeah, it's it's very entertaining to watch. It can be a little bit confusing and daunting when you first look at it, um, but it's a it's a very good it's a great game. What's the deal with uh, no pads? Why is it just tough guys? Why is that frowned upon? Um, I don't know. It just was. It's something that no one has ever worn padding. Um, hang on one sec. Sorry. Oh, don't worry. You're good. Yeah. It's a five-month-old. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in that case. Um, apologies <laughs> about that. Yeah, so, look, there's never really pads. Look, we do have um, a few players that wear helmets. As with a lot of sports around the world, concussion has been very much on the agenda over the last couple of years. So there are a few guys that are wearing helmets. Um, but that's just never been a game that is padding required. These guys are ultra fit, um, you know, Obviously, with a lot of sporting contests all around the world, all these guys are, you know, professional athletes. They train very hard. They're all in fantastic shape. And I guess a lot of the the seasoned players that have been certainly going, or journeymen, you'd like to say, you know, they've just got really rock-hard bodies that are, you know, prepared to crash into each other and run and bash and jump and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but you mentioned that the, there's no crowds right now. I don't know if we talked about that on air or off air, but there's no crowds currently going on. Is it like sort of the NBA bubble where all the teams are playing in the same uh, same area? Or are, they, are they traveling? I'm assuming they're not traveling. Uh, there is a little bit of travel. So we've got a few hubs going on at the moment. We've got a hub up in Queensland where six of the teams are. And there's... Um, teams are traveling across the East Coast or up and down the East Coast. There's still a few travel restrictions across the West Coast of Australia. So those teams have moved across East so they can then compete in the competition. Um, Look, we're very fortunate in Australia. Our restrictions are starting to uh, lessen a little bit. Um, We're seeing the first little, I guess, signs that crowds could be on the agenda soon. Um, And that will certainly make it a lot easier for us to be playing games all around the country. Yeah, I saw uh, not too far from you guys. I saw New Zealand, I think, was the first country to have uh, fans coming back, which is good to see, baby steps. Um, But step back for a a second as far as injuries. Uh, How good is the injury reporting? Uh, How concerned should I be that my guy is going to get late scratched in the middle of the night? Uh, Look, 
I wouldn't say that it never happens, but I would say it's less likely than likely. Um, the there there are some teams that obviously are a little bit more creative with their team announcements, but generally, you know, on a Wednesday or a Thursday, they they name the sort of final twenty two or twenty six players, and then the day before the game, it's sort of cut down to the final twenty two. And then an hour before the game, there is the confirmed 22. It's very rare that there would be huge DFS impact between that 24 hours and that one-hour announcement. Again, things happen in warm-ups and training and, you know, some obscure things can happen. But it's very similar to, say, golf DFS, where you can build your teams on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and have relative confidence that there aren't going to be any huge changes that are going to affect your DFS squad. On the uh, flip side... Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah sorry. On the, on the flip side, one thing that probably could happen is that a rookie may get announced. So a rookie might be in the extended lineup and he may get his spot on, I guess, in the final 22, which can obviously have some value implications for you. But, you know, the chance that, a, you know, let's use the comparison of LeBron James it's very unlikely that he's going to be named and then suddenly not playing an hour before the game without some sort of, you know, you get some sort of clue that it's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, so unlike soccer, uh, basically you guys can come in and out of the game, right? 18 and 18, you have four subs. And once, like in soccer, once you're out, you're out. But in, in the AFL, you can jump in and out the, in the entire game, correct? That's correct. So I think there's 60 or 80 rotations. They change it every year, to be honest. So in every game, there's sort of, you know, at least 60 rotations. So that's very much an endurance strategy that people are trying to keep their best players on the ground all the time. So you can have people from all different positions subbing on and off at all times in the game. So, um, yeah, all, all 22 players are in play. But uh, time on ground, TOG, is obviously a very important factor when you're thinking about planning your DFS teams. Yeah, so speaking of your DFS teams, you mentioned LeBron James. Like, LeBron James, you're playing him in basketball. You essentially kind of sort of know what you're going to get. You're going to get your 20 points, your seven boards, your eight assists, something like that. Maybe you get a block or something like that. Uh, you know he's going to put up a big number. And a sport like baseball, you can roster the absolute best player in the world. And he, can put you, he can give you a zero. He can go for four, get no hits. Uh, where is the AFL stars as far as variance, as far as reliability, if you're going to roster like the most expensive pieces, are they going to, uh, is it a wide range of a, a potential outcome or, you know, you're going to get something at least good and different degrees of good. Um, look, it, it's the, 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 in the center or the midfield where the pretty much the stars are the, uh, are playing the, their floor is fairly consistent. Um, if say a, a player is averaging a hundred points per game, and I guess it might blow the mind a little bit to my international followers or listeners here. AFL is a very high-scoring DFS sport. Um, you know, a winning score in a showdown slate or a classic slate may be 700 points. So if you've got a, the star players scoring, let's say, 100, it's very, very unique that they're going to score 20 points it would have to be that they got injured or something really dramatic. So whether a team wins or loses, you know that they're probably going to score somewhere between 80 and 120 most days, but have a high ceiling of perhaps 130, 140, 150. 
So the ceiling is probably more variable. The floor is less variable for the stars. I'm looking at the roster construction here on DraftKings. Two forwards, four midfielders, two defenders, and a is that a rook? Is that a rook a, or a ruck? A ruck, yes, a ruck. What's a ruck? So a ruck is the tallest player on the team generally, and they're the person that uh, does what's known as the center bounce. So when they throw the ball up or bounce the ball up after every goal, those two ruckmen run and jump at each other, very similar to a center in basketball, and then tap the ball out to the midfielders or the centers. It's like a jump ball, essentially. And you got a point for uh, yep. that's just like the tallest guy, well, not tallest and most, most athletic, I suppose, combination of the two. Yeah, correct, correct. And obviously in games where there's heavy congestion and more stoppages, which we call, which is a ball-up, um, obviously Ruckman can be very important for your DFS lineups. Where am I uh, looking to punt? Uh, like, where am I looking to save some salary? You talk about midfielders being, uh, generally speaking, the, the players that are more likely to rack up points. Is it, Am I looking to punt the defensive spot because uh, midfielders are more valuable, they, they have a higher ceiling, or is it just all slate-dependent, team-dependent? Absolutely slate and team dependent. I think that um, forwards are probably the the area that can have the most variance in output. So, you know, if a forward doesn't kick any goals or isn't involved in the action or a particular team is going to get beaten pretty badly, their floor is probably a lot lower because they're just not getting their hands on the ball. But on the flip side, a forward ceiling can be phenomenal if they kick a whole heap of goals, and it's a one-sided game. Um, Looking for your value as such for those cheaper players, really it's very slate dependent. As as a general rule, we certainly advise people to probably not spend down too much on your forwards. If you can find a midfield that has value, that perhaps has been playing in lower leagues or is given a new opportunity and that's why he's been brought into the team, as I mentioned before, a midfield's floor is going to be a lot less. So someone that might come in at the minimum of 2500 on DraftKings, you really only need him to get sort of 30 points, 35 points, which is not a huge score in AFL-DFS um, for him to be a value player. So the game is four quarters of 20 minutes, and there's extra time as well added on, depending uh, you know situations that play out throughout the game. Is there ever a time to uh, where you can justify rostering somebody who's not starting? Uh, again, is there a certain like managers that do certain things and start certain players for different reasons? And uh, maybe a guy would come off the bench but still play enough minutes to justify a roster spot, or it's just too risky to consider a sub? Uh, look, absolutely. You, you definitely want to be looking. The interchange is really the, – the positions they get named into a certain extent are not really relevant. It's a a game where all players are running across all areas of the field. So just because someone is named on the interchange certainly would not be a reason not to pick them. Um, They're definitely going to get, you know, if you're a midfielder that's named on the interchange, you're still playing probably 60, 70, 80% of game time. They're they're, they're constantly rotating. Um, There's a little bit of a difference. You just sort of touched on about 20 minutes and extra time. That's been the the general size or the general length of games in the past. Due to the pandemic this year, they've actually reduced it to 16 minutes, which um, doesn't sound like a lot, um, but you're missing 16 minutes from the game. And we've certainly found a little bit of a trend over the last couple of rounds that the the premium and the stud players in the midfield are actually playing more game time. We thought it would be less, but they're actually playing more because they're not getting as tired. 
So you're finding that sort of the some of the lower tier players are doing more of the rotations and the premiums are staying on for more. When you say the interchange, you're talking about the the starting 18. Is that the interchange? Yeah. So you've got the starting 18 and then you've got four people on the interchange or the bench and they are constantly changing throughout the game. Um, there, there will be 20, you know, rotations every quarter. So in 16 minutes, that means 20 people are going on or off. You know, a midfielder might play for three or four minutes, run their guts out, and then go and sit on the bench for 90 seconds and then come back on again, run their guts out for three or four minutes and so forth. So interchange is certainly something that you don't want to be scared of. Um, but at the same time, if you're picking a perfect lineup, you want your guys to be on the ground as much as possible. So, you know, right from the word go, people that are named on the field, you want them on the field and in your teams. How frequent are injuries? It looks like a pretty, a pretty rough sport. And do we ever see scenarios where teams are down two or three players and basically everybody's going to stay on the entire game? Uh, there are situations like that. Obviously, it's not so much that they're ever um, down as such because you do have the four interchange players. What will mean is that the key players are getting less breaks. So if someone does a hamstring or you know something worse, breaks a leg, breaks an arm, something like that, um, obviously they're going to have one less person that they can feed through those 60 rotations in a game. So that would most likely mean that there is an increase in game time for those senior players. Um, how often does it happen? Um, uh, I, I, I would say that there is a couple of serious injuries per round across the nine games. It definitely wouldn't be as much as one a game. All right, let's jump in. How do we score? How do we get DFS points? The most points you get is from a goal that is worth six points, and that's uh, I'm going to say this really stupidly, I suppose, but there's four posts and the two in the middle. If you kick the ball in between the two in the middle, you get six points. Is that correct? That's correct. Spot on, Dan. Is the referee still doing the thing with the hand? Is that is that, is that, a, a, is that an Australian rules football? Is that something else you know what I'm talking about? I'm doing a yeah. visual here. Is that still a no. thing or they have a flag now? <laughs> no, they've got both. So they initially signal with two fingers for a goal. Um, and then wave two flags so they can let the umpire at the other end know. And then if they kick either side of the two middle posts, that's a behind. Or if they hit the post, that's a behind as well. So that's one point. And then they just use one finger. It seems weird that a goal is worth six points and a tackle is worth four points. A tackle is worth two-thirds of a goal? I don't know. Is that just, I mean, that's just a weird observation I have. Yeah, yeah. look, they're not really... Um, they they don't really correlate at all. I guess the okay. the tackle the tackle doesn't happen. You know, a good player, a very good tackling player, may have seven or eight tackles in a game, whereas a good team will score anywhere between ten to twenty goals per game. So obviously, the goals are the highest scoring factor. But your midfielders or the centers, they're kicking, they're hand-passing, they're marking, they're tackling, and they're possibly kicking goals. So they're the guys that are accumulating most points. Uh, yeah, On goals the... were six points. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I was just going to say, opposed to, say, a defender who is very unlikely to kick a goal, that's why you need to be targeting guys that are perhaps kicking the ball more or taking more marks because their ceiling is certainly not as, you know, there's not as much upside as, say, a forward or a midfield. Six points for a goal, four point for a tackle, three points for a kick, three for a mark. 
Uh, I think that kind of brings in the conversation of correlation, right? So my understanding, again, correct me if I'm wrong, I just kind of like did some research before the show and you know much better than me. The mark is where uh, they kick the ball and the guy just kind of gets on somebody else's shoulders and catches the ball. And I guess if you have the kicker and the marker, that's where six points right there. And that's nice correlation. Absolutely. And so that's when, you, when you're looking to pair players up. There, there's a thing in AFL, sometimes it's called junk time. So the last couple of minutes of every quarter, sometimes a team may just hold the ball and keep it away from the other team. So if you've got players that are marking the ball, then kicking to another person, they're marking it, then they're kicking it, suddenly you've got six or nine or 12-point plays going on constantly. And if you can find the players that are kicking the ball backwards and forwards with each other, because sometimes they can take it from in the back half and just run it straight across the ground, kicking it backwards and forwards. And there can be three or four players in that chain just keeping the ball off the other team. So if you can identify those spots and identify the teams that do that late in the game, they can be the things that win you GPPs because suddenly you've just racked up six, 18, 24 points very, very quickly. Yeah, I'm not sure how familiar you are with American football, but is that that sounds like the equivalent of just like running the ball, like running out the clock essentially. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So basically the game's more or less over. The, the margin of a distance to one team versus the other, is, it's, it's too great. So it's more or less a conceding the other side. And they just, they're sort of like kicking it and uh, handballing it to each other in the same team, just running out the clock. Is that more or less what happens there? And if you have those well, guys, it- you can pick the team ahead. Yeah, look, it, it can actually also be the other way that the game is really close and they just simply want to make sure the other team doesn't have possession of the ball. So if a team is, if it's a one-point game or a two-point game and they don't want the team to be able to kick another goal or get possession, they'll effectively play keepings off. They're just completely keeping the ball away from the other team. Oh, my apologies. My house phone is ringing here. We got a dog on your end. We have a house phone over here. Like I don't. I'm not within reach of the phone to turn it off. And well, who calls no. it a house phone these days? Call the cell phone. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> my apologies. Uh, goals no, are six no. points. Tackles four points. Kick is three points. A mark is three points. A handball is just that's a hand pass, correct? Correct. Yes. So, so it's not a throw. It's a the ball is held in one hand and the the player almost punches it out of their hand. Um, it will sound bizarre to, uh, to my American friends listening. Um, a hand pass is something that, you know, you'll see can be very quick. They can hand pass the ball, you know, sometimes 30, 40 feet. So it can be quite a lengthy pass. It's obviously a lot quicker and a lot more accurate. But if you receive a hand pass, that's not counted as a mark. A mark is only counted when it is kicked off the boot. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, what's a hit out? A hit out is when the rucks jump out in, up in the middle and they both jump in the air like a jump ball and touch the ball and tap the ball down. That's classed as a hit out. We already talked about a behind. Behind is when the, the ball is kicked uh, um, in the out, the outer post or it hits one of the middle posts. And also I think if it hits somebody's hand and goes in, it's worth one point as well. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Spot on. All right. Uh, free kick is worth a point. This is a big one. Free kick against minus three points. Is that like a penalty or something? Is that what that is? Yeah, kind of. So if you come in, if you if a player tackles another player above the shoulders, so you, the head is obviously protected in Aussie rules to a certain extent, and you give away a free kick, so the person receiving the free kick will get plus one point, and then obviously they're going to get a kick or a hand pass. The person that's committed the crime or the act is minus three points. 
Is there a penalty box or a potential ejection of some sort? No, there is not. There is no red cards or anything <laughs> like that in AFL. So there have been some instances over the years where full-on brawls and people have just been absolutely sniped and knocked out cold and all those sorts of things. Um, there is a tribunal system um, that happens and a match review system that awards penalties. But um, no, there's no, there's no sin bin as such. Uh, general lineup construction, star scrubs, or just kind of like uh, across the board, a bunch of guys that are kind of in the middle, middle ground, or again, is this one sort of uh, slate dependent, team dependent and all that? Uh, absolutely dependent. I think, um, look, I trying to identify some value plays is obviously very important in AFL. Um, you just can't simply stack a team full of studs. Um, stars and scrubs, does work in some situations. Um, look, it's very hard to say it's a general rule. There's there's different teams that provide lots of different outcomes and situations. Um, a, a common mistake that people can make is that they can try to play too many rookies or too many cheap players to try to squeeze in uh, more stars. So my, my suggestion for people that are looking to play AFL for the first time Try to identify one value player or two value players um, at the most. Don't, and when I say value, low-priced value. There's lots of value players around the three and a half, four thousand mark, which you know maybe should be priced at five thousand or six thousand. If you can have more of those players and less of the two and a half thousand dollar players, your team lineup is going to be so much more balanced. Where do these rookies come from? Is there a minor league system as well? Yeah, there is. So there's minor league and state systems um, across the country. Um, there's feeder clubs, um, which I guess would be like, you know, in MLB, there's, you know, AAA, is it, or AA? Or what, Single what, A, AAA, AA, yeah. They all, each organization yeah. has their own, you know, different rungs of. Yeah, so that's very similar in AFL too. There's um, there's feeder clubs or, or lower range clubs that you've got to be on a list. So I think a list is 44 players. So generally there's sort of 22 players that aren't playing on a day that might be playing in lower level leagues that they can um, they can pull players from if they need to. How international is the AFL player pool? I was, I was watching a video from uh, Vice Sports where somebody was trying to bring some American players over to get a tryout and just... And I was thinking there's probably a, a great pool of players to pick from. And I, of course, they don't grow up playing it, but I'm sure the skills transition to some degree once you try to learn. But is it only uh, Australian players or how much does it branch out as far as the, the player pool? It's definitely something that they're looking into more. We've had quite a, a good success with players coming from Ireland because Gaelic football is very similar to Aussie rules. Um, we've got a, an American player at the moment, Mason Cox, who plays for Collingwood. Um, he's about six foot eight or something like that. He's huge. He's a monster. Um, and he has transitioned relatively well to AFL. It's a very hard game to start playing at elite level. If you haven't played it or you're not aware of it in your life, you know, or for, for your whole life. Um, it's taken him a few years to get there and look, he's, he's certainly talented and he's a huge guy and he's played some good games um, he's probably never going to be elite, if that makes sense. But there can be certainly role players in AFL and teams that can um, 
use a big tall guy or, a, you know, someone with a basketball background, say in the ruck that can jump higher, things like that. Um, but it's probably less likely that we'll see in the short term um, players from other countries coming in and playing midfield roles. There's just too much game awareness and too much, um, too many things that you need to learn. Uh, your roster, nine players. What's the most I can stack on one side? Four, is it, or five, or what's the number? Uh, in a showdown, you can have eight, and yeah. in a classic state, five. And you think five, I mean, it's worth, uh, you could justify rostering five on like a five-game slate on one side? Absolutely. St- stacking is definitely something that can be used in AFL, Aussie rules. Um, again, it's very contest-specific. Um, we have a whole range of tools on DFR, which we um, obviously provide links to you guys at Roto Grinders. So certainly check out the the early look articles that you guys are posting with Aussie Rules, and that has some links to um, a lot of data about teams that may give up more points to certain parts of the ground. So if you're playing against a team that gives up the most points to centers or midfielders, there is certainly advantage to be stacking midfields from that team. Um, again, I wouldn't use with AFL, there's no blanket rule for everything, um, but there is certainly, you know, everything is on the table. How extreme is it as far as the good teams and the bad teams? Is it a fairly level playing field or is there a salary cap constraints that make one team dominant over the others? Uh, with results, so um, in win-loss, obviously the better teams normally stay good for a number of years, as with any sport. There is a salary cap. But as we know with professional sports, it's so much more than salary now. It's environment, it's coaches, it's playing at bigger grounds, it's playing against bigger crowds. Um, you know, my team, the Tigers, that you can see over my shoulder, are the current premiers or the world champs. And obviously players want to come and play at the Tigers because you're playing in front of 90,000 people every week. They're winning, they've got good culture, all those sorts of things, whereas a team like the Gold Coast Suns in Queensland are a relatively new team. They've been around for about 10 years. They've never really played finals. You can potentially earn the same amount of money at both clubs. If anything, you'll probably earn a little bit less at the Tigers, um, but people want to play in front of crowds or they want to live in Melbourne or they want to play finals. So... um, In regards to DFS, there is certainly a little bit of range between the teams that um, give up more points than the others and also earn more points, but that gap is a lot smaller. So, okay. Yeah. I was surprised to learn uh, 10 of the 18 teams uh, are in Victoria, really, really condensed area. I understand Australia is a vast space and there's a lot of, uh, you know, areas where there's, you know, it's just open land essentially. But, uh, yeah, where your, your team is in Melbourne, and you, you weren't just a fan this year. You're not just, a, you know, playing favorites. You've always been a fan of them, I presume. Oh, yeah. I'm a, you know, I'm 40 and, or, you know, I've followed them my whole life. You don't, you don't switch teams in <laughs> AFL. It's, um, that's not cool. Um, and very much, you know, I went through 35 years of pain of <laughs> never winning anything and being the joke of the club. And, you know, the last sort of five or six years have been very good. We've won two premierships or two championships. Um, and, you know, obviously winning is nice. And I'm sure there's lots of stories like that, you know, the Chicago Cubs or um, I'm trying to think of an NFL example. But there's there's lots of teams that you've got supporters that have been crazy mad fans their whole life and have just never seen the playoffs. So, um, 
yeah, people are very tribal with their teams. Um, you mentioned before that sort of 10 of the teams are in Victoria. Initially, it was known as the VFL, which is the Victorian Football League. And then about 20 years ago, it started to expand across the country. And that's one of the things they're really working on at the moment is trying to get more teams in different areas of Australia to make it a more national game. Anything else I need to know or any other like tips that we haven't covered just yet as far as, you know, first diving in, getting your uh, your toes wet, however you want to say it, uh, to play in some AFL DFS teams? Yeah, I would definitely be, you know, again, the, the tools that we've got on DFR that you guys have got access to at Roto, um, you know, take a note of correlations as much as they're not overly, you know, and all these tips I'm about to give, I wouldn't take them to the bank and only use them. They're just one piece of the puzzle. So take note of some correlations um, take note of some player out. If there's a, a key player that is out, go and have a look and see how that affects other players. Um, take note of historical information um, and take note of our cheat sheets that have got obviously value numbers that are going to help you at a glance identify players that are probably going to perform better for you. But most importantly, just have fun and watch it. We um we love it and it can be... Uh, quite a foreign experience for people that have never seen AFL before, but it's a fast game. There's always action. And on a DFS side of things, every player is in play, you know, in in NFL or NBA players can hit the bench and you don't see them again for half a game, or if it's the offense is running or the defense is running half your players are not in play, you know, in AFL, everyone's in play. Everyone, you know, you can be, 50, 100 points down in a slate and with five minutes left, you can come flying home. So it's a fantastic sport to watch. Um, You're very lucky that obviously you guys have now got it on TV to watch and there's lots of tools and things that can help you. But, you know, give it a go. While you guys don't have any sort of other main sport running, give it a crack. You'll love it. It's, um, It's a brilliant game. If for no other reason, the sweet uniforms. You guys have some awesome uniforms over there. I I enjoy them at least. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, look, they're, they're good. And I guess, um, you know, again, that's the little bit of the tradition, you know what I mean? What they wear, you know, basically a singlet and shorts in, you know, incredibly cold, wet weather, you know, um, no padding. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good game. Hey, touch on that one more time, if you don't mind, as far as, uh, let's just say hypothetically, the, the, the team's best midfielder, their most dominant midfielder is not playing. What is the trickle-down effect as far as uh, does each – guy get an extra two or three minute run or is there one player that steps up and you know goes from playing I don't know 12 minutes to 27 minutes and he's priced for playing 12 minutes so he becomes a super value or again is it sort of like team dependent it depends upon a you know which team this happens to be happening to look I think it's all of the above so if you lose your absolute best player who might be earning 100 fantasy points generally teams are not one player um, driven, So you have a, a core of players that are all carrying the load. But if you lose your top player, that load needs to be distributed a little bit across the other players. So someone that might be averaging 80 points might suddenly move to 85 or 90, you know, because they're getting extra opportunity with the ball. Actually, the amount of time they're playing on the ground doesn't really alter. It's more just the roles that they're playing. So um, that can happen, you know, with all aspects of the, around the ground, whether they're defo- uh, defenders or forwards or midfielders. If there is a player that isn't playing, um, you know, look for the people that are getting opportunities. And that's where the player out tool, very similar with NBA. It's not quite as drastic, um, but it's similar. 
So I guess we use the LeBron example again. If LeBron is not playing, there's going to be certain players that are suddenly then going to get the ball a lot more than they usually would because he's not there. Exactly the same situation in AFL. Yeah, uh, much appreciate your time, AJ. Tell the people about where they can find you on Twitter. Tell them about your site. Tell them about your podcast. Tell them everything. Well, you can find me on Adji if you want to see some rants about Richmond and obviously some football stuff. But make sure you check us out at dailyfantasyrankings.com.au. We're at Rankings DFS. All the information is obviously on Roto-Grinders. We provide you guys an, an early look article with all our data tools, some tips, some multimedia. We're actually doing a new video show for you guys this week, which will be available on Roto-Grinders. Um, of course, Lineup HQ is the best in the business and that has all of our projections done by our team here. So if you want to quickly build lineups, go and jump onto rotogrinders.com and use the Lineup HQ. Um, and yeah, there's, um, there's always details there. So you can certainly hit me up on Twitter if you'd like more information um, or reach out for yourself. I'll certainly give you all the details. But um, keep your eye on rotogrinders.com and you'll be able to find all the info you need to get involved. You got me convinced. I'm going to do my best to play this week. What else am I going to do, right? So I'm going to play some golf probably, some MMA. I mean, like, where do I draw the line? I'm playing some Aussie, uh, Aussie football as well. And hopefully uh, maybe I'll, I'll get my schedule uh, so I wake up and actually watch it on time as well too. Uh, AJ, much appreciate your time. Thank you for your expertise. Uh, he was AJ. I was Dean. This was the morning grind. Thanks for listening. We're out of here. Holler. Holler.